0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's Thursday, August the 17th, 2023, bright and early on the West Coast. Uh, It's always interesting to revisit previous conversations, or at least people I've had on the show. And think about how the world has changed since we talked. Um, About a year and a half ago, I had Susan Brady on the show, Susan McKenty Brady, who is the co author of a book called Arrive and Thrive Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. It was a fun show. She talked about how she believed that leadership issues, uh, leadership values like uh, empathy, female values, or at least values that women leaders articulate perhaps better than men more effectively than men might he- might help end the war in ukraine 18 months later uh susan and her co-authors have certainly arrived and thrived uh, the book has been a, a wall street journal and a usa today bestseller but i'm not sure if the world has changed much the um uh, certainly the war in Ukraine is still going on. There hasn't been much empathy articulated there. Um, Susan, welcome back. Great to have you. Uh, any evidence that anything's changed over the last 18 months? Congratulations on the success of the book. But Thank have you. we become more empathetic? Have we collectively arrived and thrived uh, in uh, in August uh, of 2023? Well, I would say... Uh,
1: no, <laughs> although I don't see me. Am I live and moving? I don't. I don't know where my video is. But um, do you have what you need?
0: Yeah, we're all back. good, Susan. you are okay, arrived. Okay, you've arrived and thrived. Don't okay, worry great. about the video.
1: Yeah, yeah, good. So listen, uh, I first of all, thank you for having me back. Um, I think that leading with impact uh, is going to require some of the practices in this book. That's the thing that's become clear to me even more uh, since since Janet and Lynn and I wrote the book. Um, and you bet the, the challenge of our day is one of uh, empathy and uh, connection with self and with others. It's a leadership requirement. Um, and it's why my next book uh, is actually written. I'm partnering with two men and writing for men about this topic, hopefully in a way that is compelling. Um,
0: to men uh susan we get these kind of books all the time out of business school it makes the professors successful wealthy famous puts you on the bestseller list makes maybe the students feel good about themselves it doesn't seem to change anything Mm. uh maybe i'm being i'm fairly skeptical here but are you and i and i mean you collectively your class of uh what trumpians would call uh, uh, academic coastal elites are you just pleasuring yourselves with these kinds of uh this kind of happy talk
1: uh i i you know you you haven't lost your provocateur esque nature um i'm happy to i'm happy to see so first of all just to just to clarify i am not an academic I am a pragmatist. I have been a consultant, coach, and business leader for the past twenty-five years, uh, leading. But consult- you're associated
0: with Simmons. Uh, you bet. The-
1: yep, yep, so yep. You're the, right.
0: the Deloitte Ellen Gabriel Chair for Women and Leadership, the CEO yep. of Simmons University's Institute for Inclusive Leadership. That sounds fairly it, academic to me.
1: It 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 is, but let's just let's just be very clear. The work of the institute that I uh, founded and and lead is, um, I think, guided by a pragmatic uh, value, which is if you can't do something differently as a result of reading something we've published, of listening to one of our, you know, podcasts, of, um, you know, attending one of our, our courses, um, that, you know, coming to one of our conferences, then we're failing, you know? I, I, I don't want to think about it. I want to see change. And so we have to... Uh, make it more accessible and incentivize everyone to come into the conversation. Right. So,
0: but that's um, more, you know, again, that's more, it seems to me, um, Susan, just more happy talk come into the conversation. Nothing seems to ever change. And yet these, and I'm not just picking on your business school business schools. uh, They all seem to get wealthier and wealthier, more and more pleased with themselves. And yet the world doesn't change.
1: Well, Simmons is not getting wealthier and wealthier. We hold a interesting place Okay, I, I don't to want to
0: turn it into a, a... I'm not accusing Simmons in any way. I'm, I'm sure it's right. as, good as good or as bad as any other institution. But um, my point is that this kind of talk of empathy and leadership and responsibility and communal blah, blah, blah goes on and on and on. And meanwhile, we're expecting a, a, a Trump, Uh, Biden rematch, for example, that nobody wants, that we're getting two old men, two completely out of touch old men. How are we going to change anything? I mean, we need to read your book. I'm not suggesting that your book is uh, irrelevant or unfair or or wrong, but I just don't know how we break through here. Well, look, I think that there's going to be some erosion in value,
1: and that is why people are going to start paying attention when it starts to hurt. Right. Right. When our approaches of having relationships and having conversations and leading businesses and trying to win customers and, um, you know, have great profitable partnerships start to fail because the way we're doing them doesn't work for humans anymore, people will change. So it's it's probably going to have to get worse before it gets better, right? That sounds
0: like the old uh, Leninist dictum in the First World War better better to experience catastrophe in the war and then bring down the czar. Same thinking about the left in the 1960s, more Vietnam because that was a good thing. Or perhaps the right now is thinking that, the Trumpians bring the state down. I mean, is, is that what where we need to go, complete social, cultural, political collapse?
1: Oh, well, I, I hope not. Uh, I would hope not. Uh, look, I think there's uh, a tremendous opportunity to engage men, um, in a conversation that has margin for error. So where where my work right now is focused uh, is you know I I, I work for a, a women centered university and run an institute that brings the work of inclusion and uh, a pathway for women to step in fully to their potential um, to companies and organizations around the world. The opportunity if I look at gender parity as a sort of a business a a cultural imperative that to your opening comments affords us more, more feminine qualities and masculine qualities and traditional ways of working um, that are necessary, that are disrupting and necessary to, I think lead in the future. If, if, if that's true, then we need more men in the conversation about inclusion, but we've made it really, really hard for, Uh, a conversation about this because there's no margin for error. And so-
0: What do you uh, mean there's no margin for error?
1: There's no margin for error. You get canceled if you misspeak, right? Did you hear about this superintendent of schools out in Western Massachusetts who had his offer rescinded because he called two women on the school committee, ladies. I was on a conservative talk show um, about this. And um, I don't have an opinion about ladies. It doesn't offend me. Yeah. um, This is a problem. And so what's happening I see what's happening is there's less margin for error. There's no, there's, there's, there's no room to learn, to mess up and learn and do it better. And yet every day our working world and our realities are getting more complex, more, uh, I I would say textured with layers of difference seen and unseen and human beings don't know how to navigate it. And so I don't see a business problem here for people really wanting to undo it differently because they're going to need to in order to create
0: livelihood for themselves. But some things have changed. Um, Barbie came out this summer. We've done a number of shows. I had a couple of young, I won't call them young ladies because I'll get canceled young women on the show with very different opinions of Barbie, but it's certainly a movie which has been enormously successful about one kind of female empowerment or another is the problem. And we've done shows about the crisis of men in America. Um, is the problem with men, not women these days, Susan, in other words, women are arrived, have arrived and are thriving and it's the men who aren't anymore. And that accounts for the crisis in politics and all the rest of it.
1: Well, I I, I wouldn't accuse women of arriving and thriving. I I would, and I wouldn't accuse men of thriving either. So I, I just wrote, um, I just wrote a piece about the Barbie movie. Um, It calls for a sequel about Barbie and Ken working together (laughs) around gender parity. Look, I don't think a world that is um, run by women uh, that leaves men, the second class, you know, uh, not enough (laughs) soldiers is any better than a than a world where where men are running the world. Right. To the exclusion of women. And so the paradigm itself is going to have to. Um, it's going to have to shift, uh, and I think that's going to happen. This 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 latest generation is sort of driving that. So um, happy to share my. Uh, did you
0: like the movie? Did you think it was good?
1: I thought it was fascinating, and did I enjoy myself? You bet. And uh, the did you
0: shout and scream? Did I what? Shout and scream in the movie.
1: Did I shout and scream? No, I laughed pretty hard. I brought my, I brought one of my daughters
0: um, yeah.
1: and I wish i brought
0: my daughter. She would have nudged me and woken me up. But
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, I think the, uh, the ending was, a, a, you know, pretty disappointing because my life's work has been um, more about partnering with men. I was raised by a single father, like men are my people. And um, I happen to have some expertise in women's leadership. So um it's a
0: it's an interesting moment. So one of the uh, I was thinking, you know, in the eighteen months since we last talked, one thing that's happened is uh, in terms of female leadership. One of the biggest companies in the world, Google, just promoted its uh, most senior woman, uh, Ruth Porat, who had been uh, CFO. Now she uh, now she's the the president of the company, formal number two in the company. Remarkable woman, very tough woman. A lot lot of people wondering whether her new job is a coronation or a last dance. Who knows? Maybe she doesn't. But it seems to me as if Ruth Porritt is an example of a senior executive who's just Ruth Porritt. I'm not sure if she's female or male. She's tough. She cut dramatically at Google. She's making them more and more competitive. As it happens, they actually have a rather weak male CEO. Are you still convinced of these female values when you think of someone like Ruth Porrad? I'm not sure how familiar you are with her. Uh,
1: so I, I try to stay away from having said, you know, five minutes ago about masculine and feminine. I try to stay away from adhering different sort of energies, I suppose, to different genders. Or um, I just think in a, in a fluid world now, it's, you know, there was just that New York Times piece Written um, by uh, about about the you know how binary Barbie and Ken is. There's no in between. Um, what I will say is, I think it's a very difficult charter right now for leaders to make hard, make the hard decisions n- n- necessary um, to maintain value and do it in a way where you are a human being with the human beings. And I I think that's going to be the call for future of leadership. So it doesn't matter how you identify. uh, It matters that the people around you feel valued and that they can bring their unique strengths to the table. And if they can't, they'll quit you. So if you want to get things done, you're going to have to figure out how to do it with and through human beings, even when you have to reorg, which a lot of companies are doing right now.
0: Well, I want to take a break. Uh, We're... Thrilled that our new sponsor of the show is Liberties Quarterly, a culture and politics which deals with these issues on a a quarterly basis. I'm going to run a short ad for Liberties, and then we'll be back with Susan McKenty Brady to talk more about how to arrive and thrive in 2023. So stay with us, everyone. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Beyond the news, the noise, there is nuance, insight. We are back with Susan Mackenty Brady, the co-author of *Arrive and Thrive*. Uh, Susan, before the break, you talked about the margins of error uh, were were shrinking when it came to to talking. How important is media? We just had an ad for Liberties, which is uh, all about liberal thought. Is one of the the problems that 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 everyone's terrified of saying the wrong thing, and and therefore media itself is becoming increasingly uh, an echo chamber?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, we've lost our ability to learn every time. And I'm not talking about, you know, the perpetrators of really bad behavior, Andrew, need to be called on the mat, Right. You can't, you know, misogyny at work needed to be called out. Right. There are, you know, now figures who stand for the worst of the worst behavior who needed to be taken care of things like that. Aren't, aren't what I'm talking about I'm talking about you saying something that angers some interest group and then all of a sudden your show gets canceled you know this is a, this is a problem and it's mainly a problem because what it removes is our ability to relate to language and to learn how different people uh, might receive different messages in different ways and guess what like we need to have Learning conversations. You know, if, I, if you and I are working together, the last thing I want to do is speak to you in a way that irritates you every day to the point where you aren't as productive or you're, you know, you treat me disrespectfully or, you know, we don't get the work done that we need to get done, right? I'm talking in the workplace. So we need to kind of come back to a place where we can learn and grow. And men in particular, <laughs> um, I think, feel shut down. I mean, 60% of men, there was a poll done, 60% of men are less likely to come towards a women's leadership or advancement effort that will create gender parity because they fear, they fear.
0: Uh, Last time I checked, Susan, I'm a man and I have to admit, I don't feel as if I'm being shut down by anyone or anything. It seems as if there's two things simultaneously going on. There's this, maybe this cultural correctness or Stalinism, whatever you want to call, it, which is certainly going on. But at the same time, as a more and more open media, you talked about my show getting shut down if I said the wrong thing. The reality is no one can shut my show down. It's my show. Yeah, I need to sell it, of course. But the only person who can shut my show down is me, even if nobody listens. So on the one hand, we have a world where everyone is an influencer. Everyone can run their own media on, on platforms, on x on facebook on podcast on substack and on the other hand we have this increasingly sort of maybe archaic or paralyzed corporate world is the answer then for people to get out of the corporation and and, and become entrepreneurs themselves or is it is the answer for large corporations to become more entrepreneurial more risk-taking
1: well Look, if you can afford to have your show without listeners and without ads, right? you just showed a
0: really interesting you know um yeah, I mean, if I started being rude about liberties, obviously they would pull out, but they they yeah. they like my work because yeah. I don't fall into categories and and they don't fall into categories. That's why I like liberties. right. Look, I,
1: I, um, I don't think we're going to see the end of organizational life, at least not in my lifetime. And so we're left having to figure out how to work together more effectively. And uh, I think there's going to be a new suite of skills needed that are very practical that can be deployed. I mean, a couple of them we did talk about in Arrive and Thrive. And, you know, the seven practices is we've been working, you know, around with the practices, with leaders, women. It's 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 these are not just for women. These practices are for everyone. I don't care how you identify. If you're going to come into a situation thinking that you are better than the person you're talking to, eventually that's that's going to be damaging to whatever could be productive in that relationship. And if you're going to come into a, you know, a conversation where you don't think your 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 point of view matters or you don't feel like you have, you know, sort of the the right thing to say and so you're nervous to speak up. That's suboptimal, that's practice number one around sort of returning to your best self and showing up in a way that has. Did I mute myself some way through that?
0: Yeah, move, uh, continue Susan. Uh, It it was uh, the agents of political correctness Shutting you up. No, in all seriousness, you're fine. Continue, please. Yeah,
1: no. What I was saying is, you know, if I approach a situation where I think I'm smarter than other people in the room, it'll eventually backfire. And if I approach a situation where I think I'm not good enough and that my voice doesn't matter or I don't have anything of value to add, then that's going to actually be suboptimal. And so I don't I don't see a world where in the first practice of the book, you know, investing in and returning to your best self, which I think is for all humans. um, I don't see a world where that can go wrong. Having respect for self and having respect for other and trying to sort out where are you coming from? Because I can't possibly understand you and, and what you might be saying. So I got to ask more questions, have a little intellectual humility. You know, these are things that I think are not, impo- not you know, th- that, that are practicable, right? That are, and that are really important, really important.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I don't disagree. But again, this seems to be happy talk. In the 18 months since we've talked, Elon Musk has acquired Twitter and reinvented it, renamed it as his own personal fiefdom. Trump, for all his woes in the legal system, from a political sense, seems to be going from strength to strength. The the very people that you're writing against, or the very practices that you're writing against, you talk about the seven good practices, uh, but it seems to be the bad practices and the practitioners of those practices that seem to be winning in 2023?
1: In I don't know about that. So, you know, look, if, if I go to a hospital system and I find out that a senior leader, when he gets angry, he spits in people's faces and turns red. And if I if my work helps to wake that person up and ally him to the best part of himself so that he knows that that's actually not a, a, probably a great motivational technique because no one's told him because he's been a bully for 30 years. If that is what, and I offer him a new way to do it and he does and everybody calms down, we do better medicine. We have better processes. We can follow our protocols better and we can have be more efficient. Hopefully we cure more life. Like, look, there's implications here and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it.
0: <laughs> well you've been you've been a, a, a wonderful sport Susan that's one of the reasons I like having you on my show I can be obnoxious and you don't get offended uh let's a little bit uh in all fairness to you 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 talk about these seven essential practices we talked a little bit about um empathy uh but not everyone will have seen the first um interview so perhaps you might talk a little bit more about the other six practices or the other values that you think are essential to make our world a better place and create real leaders, whether they're male or female?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just think people need a recipe. I think people are, you know, after the pandemic, there was a lot of surviving and sort of like trying to make sense out of who, who, what do I want? What do I like? What do, where do I want to be? Um, the practices, uh, I think, of Arrive and Thrive are about a conscious interest in growth so that the gap between... Uh, our intention and our impact is as narrow as possible, right? So that we can live lives that we want to live. So another example of a practice is around embracing authenticity. And I've seen a lot of bad behavior under the guise of "I'm just being myself." That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about you know th- that you know your unique self is your greatest competitive advantage, and so. Who, who are but is you? not
0: Again, more happy talk. I hate that word authenticity because no one knows what it means. It just I know. Means whatever you want it to mean. All right, you ready for this?
1: Because you are. Um, I'm about to compliment you, even though you're 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 a provocateur of the first order. Um, we did a study at, at Simmons about what does it mean to be authentic? Because, like you, I'm kind of annoyed with the word. It doesn't mean anything. Um, and it turns out uh, authenticity is correlated most with honesty and transparency and confidence. And so what does honest mean? You know, it means I'm not going to leave you thinking that I'm having a whole second conversation and not being real with you because you're not going to trust me. You're not going to work with me when we have to have a debate. You're not going to really talk to me. There's going to be value left on the table, et cetera, et cetera. So um, coming back and figuring out what do we value and Over time, the thought that our authentic self or our real genuine self changes, I think, is a notion a lot of people don't understand. Um, And the research is really clear about this. So like checking in and saying, what do I value now at this stage of the game versus 10 years ago when I had little kids and I was, you know, a crazy working mom, you know, now, you know, so we change over time. Knowing that and how and what we need. So, we don't leave ourselves behind. Super important. Or else we're going to get resentful of all the people around us. Um, another practice that I really appreciate is inspiring a bold vision. You know, the research is wrong that, that says that women are not as good as men at having a bold vision. Um, I think women do it differently, and the research shows that. That we do this is not happy talk this is we are collaborative in a visioning process more collaborative um which means we don't have to come up with the actual vision it's not a solo endeavor it's hmm, what's a gap that 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 could improve and then help, inviting other people help to solve to solve that gap so um there's some there's some pra- there's some practicalities to this and i completely reject the notion that this is happy talk i happen to be an enthusiastic optimistic positive soul born that way Um, and I think there's a way to have a relationship with self and with others that'll create less stress less loneliness more happiness more joy more connection all the stuff that we want
0: one of the themes Susan that comes up a lot in this show is that a moral map seems to be increasingly the the most convincing or effective cartographers, if you like, of our moral future are not coming out of politics, are not coming out of Hollywood. They seem to be coming out of corporations and perhaps business schools. Should corporations, can they be our moral compass as we move forward? Uh, Will we in the latter part or the, the second quarter of the 21st century Will we be looking for corporations for moral guidance? Uh,
1: there, there is that's a great question. There's a there's a problem that I don't think has been addressed enough that I see as an opportunity that was brought to bear very much during the pandemic, and so in our post peri post really post pandemic world, um, we had to wrestle with slowing down enough to see the human being in others as opposed to the human resource. And that notion, the fact that you know my life was here and I had to look at you and you might see my background and see like, oh my gosh, her home office is also a guest room or whatever you make up about me.
0: You might even be frozen, Susan. Am I? No, I'm teasing you because you are.
1: Because <laughs> okay, I can't see myself. I'm like, oh gosh. But we, can, we have a nice
0: photo of you, so okay. d- don't worry.
1: OK, ne- ne- you know, uh, never freezes on a good angle. Um, so my 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 point is i i think the moral compass of our time the moral calling of our time is reconciling this this human being with the resources we see as we go through our lives and and the companies are not being spared having to deal with that the fact that human beings want to be valued and seen and appreciated. And we do want to belong. And I don't know if you saw the Surgeon General's report on loneliness. Crazy that this is- Yeah. And he
0: blamed a lot of it on social media, interestingly.
1: Yeah. And like when loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or carrying, I don't know, 30 more pounds on your body in terms of weight. Like, that's actually really interesting to me. Like, so what's happening with our mental health as a society? And that's coming right into corporate America. And this is where I don't think corporate America is the moral compass of the future. I think it's going to have to reckon with the impact of a lot of this at work in order to, to maintain value. And so, you know, that's why I choose not to run a nonprofit um uh, I do work at a nonprofit educational institution, but it's why I choose to get to leaders in the halls of working world and not elsewhere in society, because I actually think there's people are going to put money to figuring out how to help us be well with one another to create lives and value that we want. Call it happy talk, Andrew. I don't care. I believe it.
0: <laughs> well, it's happy talk coming out of Needham, Massachusetts, which is uh, going to cheer everyone up on a, on a Thursday in August. Okay. Uh, Susan, what about the issue of AI? Interesting piece by Ian Bremmer, my old friend. He's been on the show a couple of times. The AI power paradox suggesting that AI is going to turn corporations into great powers. Is AI an opportunity or is it a warning? Is it something that worries you or can it help us all arrive and thrive? Yes, all
1: of it. Yes, it worries me. It's an opportunity. Uh, It's confounding. Um, I have a couple of high techie people in my life who are, you know, they were early adopters to chat GPT and the whole nine yards and, um, you know, what's daunting is, I don't know if you've done this because you're pretty good at what you do. I think I'm pretty good at what I do. If you, you know, if you come up with a thing that you think you get paid the most to go consult on and you just put it into chat and it gives you exactly your remedy, that's concerning. <laughs> you
0: know? Well, I can uh, I can ask Chat GPT what Andrew Keene would say about X, maybe not X like Twitter, but how I might think about arriving and thriving and it will tell me what I think, which is interesting. Yeah. Is it right? Uh, well, I haven't asked about Arriving and Thriving. Well, you um, yeah. yeah, well, it, it's still relying on us, but um, can we create, or are you, I'm sure you've given it some thought, can you create AI around your seven practices? Can you package up what you're arguing in Arrive and Thrive and uh, provide corporations, HR departments, and individuals with ways to make themselves better? Oh sure,
1: oh yeah. We have a certificate course, both asynchronous and instructor led. Um, look, the human job—that's not the not the AI job—is is actually a little bit of a journey inside. What changes me changes we, and so if my most powerful moment is always the present moment, I gotta pay attention to my present moment, not rely on an algorithm or or an information system to do that for me. Um, so. There's still the human being in the equation, no matter how you slice it.
0: No, it's good. There's still the human being. We need human beings like Susan McKenty Brady, who's wise enough or brave enough to come on the show and get accused of being a Happy Talk merchant, and, and it's wonderful to talk to you, Susan. F- finally, uh, the book's a bestseller. Congratulations. You said you're working on a new book. Uh, what's it about, and when's it out? And you have to come back on the show to talk about it.
1: I would love to. Um, we, uh, I have collaborated with the 66th Inspector General of the United States Army, Les Smith, and uh, recently retired, and a disciple of the Harvard Negotiation Project, Stu Kleiman, who is an expert in human capital and um the three of us are pairing up and we are producing a book called in the line of fire and it's about all the stuff that you and i have talked about that we're facing um just just going through our day having normal conversations um trying to get work done so um the book itself is uh I don't know yet. I think we're talking the first quarter of 25. So we got a year. I'm not going to compete with the election, Andrew. I don't think anyone's going to listen anyway. So let's get through that. And then, um, you know, I'll be back in a year. Hopefully well, with my uh, uh, you
0: know, I hope it won't be another two years to come back on the show. i have to get you back on in 2024, Susan, to talk more because you offer a very wise and compelling vision of how we can make sense of ourselves. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.